This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Golf in the Northwest podcast on 1080thefan.com. Brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Doing the right thing matters. Step of the way, Will Darkens gets less interested in the college basketball tournament. But, but your Auburn Tigers still in it. I believe you had them winning the whole thing. So uh, they knocked off North Carolina. I pumped about that. But you lost Chumba Okiki. Ooh, which makes it difficult. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about your Auburn Tigers now that they've lost? Uh, Last night's leading scorer with a late injury in the fourth quarter, a, a quote-unquote severe, uh, no, I'm sorry, serious leg injury. Well, let me tell you something. It was pretty tough for uh, for Auburn. Uh, <laughs> oh, hell, I don't know. I don't know. We were watching Zion highlights. <laughs> that dude. He's big. He is big. He's a large person. Yeah, he he would be the second heaviest NBA player if he were playing in the National Basketball Association instead of the sham of an organization they call the NCAA, mm. where they pay all these players and they try to hide it and they give them all the shoe money, just because, just because they make so much money on the tournament. They're like, let's get the best players in here. Okay, true or false? Zion Williamson is definitely getting money under the table. Uh you know, yeah, come you, on. you know, yeah, 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 probably. And I mean, literally under the table. I think he's going out to dinners and he's got 80 year old dudes kind of kind of cr- doing the whole like like, uh, you know, you, you test out the waters by putting your finger on the thigh of the person and you see if that's a good reaction. And then you put your hand all the way on the thigh and inside the palm is like five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. He's worth way more than that. You don't think? Yeah. You think? You think palm slip money's about more than five hundred? How much money does Nike give him to sign him after the shoe explosion thing? Well, let's see. LeBron got offered what was it like a hundred million dollars by Reebok when he was uh, out of high school? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, he didn't take it. He went with Nike. I don't know, man. I, I mean. It's got to be a lot. I mean, he, uh, Sam Bradford, didn't he have like some insane $48 million guaranteed contract in the NFL? And look how he turned out. Yeah. I it's got to be huge. Yeah. Zion's going to make 
a ton of money. We were trying to figure out the best comparison for this guy. That's right. We have a Twitter poll of it. Uh, let's go to at CenterSaint1080. That's at CenterSaint1080 or at 1080thefan on Twitter. And let's take a look at the results from that poll first. Will, what is the poll? Who does Zion Williamson most resemble athletically? Yeah, so not just basketball. Yes. Athletically. Big D-note. We got 3% Deion Sanders. Now, here's the surprise of the poll so far. 3% was Deion Spanders. Spanders. Uh, Spanders. Spanders. Uh, (laughs) 9% said Mark Spitz. Honestly, I I don't see the Deion comparison. You threw that in there because he was one of the great uh, two-sport athletes of all time. That's right. He was uh, very electric on the field. But the size and the aggression of Zion Williamson does not scream Deion Sanders to me. The size and aggression screams Mark Spitz? Yes. I don't remember Spitz being too aggressive. Oh, are you kidding me? Killed that water. Swimmer, right? That's right. Wait, was Mark Spitz gay, or am I thinking of someone else? Greg Luganis. That's right, Greg Luganis. They I'm all. Not just... sure, I'm not sure about Mark Spitz. You don't know if Mark Spitz is gay? Uh, I don't know. I'll tell you what. Look up some old photos of Mark Spitz. That yeah. guy was a rough dude. <laughs> okay. Like a straight up rough. Okay, so are we done with the poll, or was there more options between Deion Sanders and Mark Spitz? Final Spitz thought. Can't believe he swam with a mustache. Well, listen, if, if he had taken off that stash, you just wonder how much that soup strainer slowed him down. Last thought on this. <laughs> Can't believe he wore the mask. Uh, yeah. How, how good of a swimmer would uh, Michael Phelps uh, have been? If he mustache? had a mustache? Yeah. Probably bet He would have won at least two, three more gold medals. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the other two more serious entries uh at this point and this does kind of surprise me 39 percent say bo jackson at least right now and 44 percent say lebron james so lebron james most yeah. people are comparing it's just the basketball thing I of guess. course well and i mean you look at lebron james and and the way he kind of took the the basketball world by storm he was on sports illustrated at what 16 15 i mean everybody knew he was going to be the number one Pick, yeah. But I think Zion, for, for a lot of people, I don't think they knew him coming out of high school. And maybe that's just because we've moved our attention away from it. But I remember seeing highlight videos when he was a so- sophomore or a junior in high school. And I think this year kind of really took him to a whole nother level. Well, and I think you make a really good point because uh, there seemed like to be an exhaustion of this high school hype because the people I most remember well, one in particular was Andrew Wiggins. Dude, Andrew Wiggins was like one of the most hyped college uh, recruits coming out. Or I'm sorry, high school recruits coming out. He, like, I remember his mixtapes going everywhere. And even when he played his one year, you were kind of like, yeah, he's okay, but yeah. there's nothing explosive about this. There's nothing surprise. There's nothing that makes me want to get to the TV and watch this. Yeah. Uh, the other one was Jabari Parker. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Ingram kind of had some hype. I know Anthony Davis, and they were talking about this on primetime, right? Like, has there ever been a more hyped tournament appearance by a player than there has been with Zion? And they said Anthony Davis, maybe. Maybe. I throw out John Wall, perhaps. Yeah, but Anthony Davis was part of those Kentucky teams where it was like, this is the whole team. And Duke is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they have probably three top five draft picks in this. But Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett are afterthoughts for casual basketball fans. 
like people that really love college basketball or love Duke or, you know, are, are trying to predict the NBA draft. Some people say that R.J. Barrett projects to be the better NBA player. I've even heard people try to argue that Cam Reddish may have the best NBA career. But Zion Williamson has just created such hype around his explosive nature. It's and that's brand, why, dude. Well, but that's why I brought in the Bo Jackson thing. I mean, this is something that I was watching the game, uh, and I, I didn't only watch pieces of it, but you just watch how explosive he is on the floor. And he had an alley-oop dunk last night where he catches it, I mean, three-quarters of the way up the backboard where you just go, oh, that ball's thrown out of bounds. And he's just so explosive, but he seems to be one of those guys that just plays so reactionary. This morning we were watching LeBron James' rookie highlights, his 2012 highlights. We watched Zion's highlights from this year and last night. And the difference to me with Zion Williamson is he just seems to react athletically to every situation flawlessly, where LeBron James was such a good basketball player. He was so cerebral when he, the way he played. He was setting guys up. Zion Williams doesn't bother doing that because he's like, whatever situation I get in, I'll be fine. Well, and I think that you're keying in on the idea that LeBron was a creator and mm -hmm. Zion, like you're saying, is a reactor. That yeah. LeBron James, even from those rookie highlights, dude, he was running point forward back in yeah. 04. Like he, you know, and then once you got uh, to the 2012 highlights, his best MVP year, it's like everything gravitated around LeBron James. And you could see that with Zion yeah. when he plays. You could see it in the Virginia Tech game. You could see it all throughout the tournament, especially in the UCF game. But, um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting to kind of compare the NBA careers. And that's that's a weird exercise because then you take guys like John ja Morant, you're like, oh, that guy's ready right now. Yeah, well, and, and as a basketball player, there's not really a deficiency that Zion Williamson has. You just want Williamson has. It's just what is his potential? And the Bo Jackson comparison is so interesting to me because Bo Jackson, we never know what he could have been because he never committed to football. He was never a guy that was, you know, all in on football. He played baseball until he was done, then showed up and just dominated the NFL. So it, it and then of course his career was cut short. So you, there's still, when you look at Bo Jackson, there's still untapped potential that was there. And so looking at Zion Williamson, you wonder, he's so much better than everybody else athletically in college. Will he have that same transcendent athleticism if he steps up to the NBA? If he does, that'll be crazy scary. We got some bros popping off on the Better You Today text line 55305 in terms of comparisons. One person saying Julius Peppers athletically. I okay. can kind of see that. Yeah. The better one that I like a lot is Larry Johnson. Yeah. Dude, watching Larry Johnson mm -hmm. as a kid, that guy was so good. Yeah. I loved why he was an exciting player, especially on those Hornets teams, yeah. dude. I loved it. If you just stick with basketball, another one you could say pretty easily is Detlef Shrimp. <laughs> no. Okay, who's I, a, I got through with a straight face. You did not do so. Who's a more obscure blazer, Detlef Shrimp? I still think of him as a Sonic, but yeah, it's, it's pretty obscure. Oh, he was a blazer. blazer. I know he was. I know he was. Detlef Shrimp or Scottie Pippen? Because they played on the same team. Was Sean Kemp on those teams? Sean Kemp, but he didn't even play a freaking. I know. He didn't even play people, a bounce, dude. But do people remember that Sean Kemp was on that roster? Dude, my favorite story about Sean Kemp was that he. Or Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison was. Oh uh, yeah, I guess he was technically on it. 
My favorite Sean Kemp story was that he was rumored to have, like, when he got there, he was just coming off of injury. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. And that he had, like, holed himself up in his hotel room and was just ordering room service off the reg, dude, and just eating constantly. And that when yeah. he came to uh, the first uh, practices in spring, he was just, like, completely fat. Sean Kemp was one of those dudes, though, when he was young. That guy was next level athlete. Oh yeah, and and he couldn't palm the basketball. That's why he did that that weird you know cockback dunk, like holding it against his wrist. It was always bizarre to see that. But that guy was absolutely insane. But I don't I don't know. Well, Zion I don't know Williams, if we got here by this reason, but Sean Kemp's another one. That's you what could I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of what I'm throwing out yeah, there. Yeah, is yeah, it, the long way around to find Sean Kemp. Uh, but yeah, it it'll be interesting to see because we were talking about this with uh, Taco Fall. So if you're watching the tournament highlights. Love of, tacos. Yes, I know you love tacos. I picture, when you think of taco fall, don't you picture, picture like a taco waterfall where they're just flowing? Yeah, or like somebody dropped a taco. <laughs> oh, no, taco fall. Oh, my taco. Yeah. Uh, the the endorsement possibilities for seven foot six taco fall from Uni- uh, University of Central Florida. Yeah. Enormous. Well, you want to talk about under the table money. You know Taco Bell's already on him. Oh, yeah. Um, but you can't really give money to him under the table because he's so tall, his yeah. knees. Yeah, I mean, I, he can he even sit at a table. No. Yeah. God, no. Like every chair he sits in has to be super low, right? Yeah. Could you imagine that man sitting at a table, really, though? Seriously? No. He's seven foot he six. Sleeps, he sleeps on two beds end to end. It's insane. I know. Yeah. He's a large person. I can't remember who was doing the interview with him after the first round of the tournament, but it was just, it was so comical. You know, some petite woman standing there again next to a seven foot six guy. There was a picture of him next to one of the players from VCU. Taco Fall was on his knees. He was talking to the dude. Dude, I could just imagine interviews too. Like anybody yeah. has to have their arm at full extension. Like, yeah. uh, yep. Yeah. Got to get that sound. And they, get, they get one of those painting rods where you just kind of match roller. it up. <laughs> well, not the, no, not the roller, the extension rod where you the just roller out the telescoping uh, thing. But but that guy, seven foot six, and he dominates college basketball, uh, but not in a way that Zion Williamson is doing it and not in a way where you go, oh, it's his athleticism. The guy dunks without getting off the ground, but he gets into the NBA. There's guys that contend with him with I think very little effort because the guy just doesn't move very well but Zion is what six foot seven six foot eight yeah somewhere around there but he just moves and he's just so built and you just wonder what it's going to be like when he goes up against guys in the NBA I mean is there somebody that can shut him down on every roster because I just don't think there is I don't know we'll have to see he'll have to get it's a a lot of experience I just hope that the hype doesn't build up like it did for LeBron James in his rookie year. Like I, I think Zion Williamson will need one year of acclimation, and then after that, he'll he'll get the speed of the game. That's what everybody. Yeah, did but, but but you don't need him to go in and be an impact no. player no, from, no, no, from no, a no. you know wins loss standpoint. You just need him to be a highlight reel. But to, dude, to that's get what people thought with Jabari Parker too. Yeah. Like when he came in the league, like everybody was waiting for Jabari Parker to be like Carmelo, and it like never happened because he wasn't ready yet. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens, uh, but we do have your Elite Eight set. Uh, we'll we'll maybe run through that a little bit later in the show. We're bringing Jen Ellis back. She is our uh, baseball chick. She's coming on. We're going to talk uh, a little bit uh, around the diamond. We had opening day on Thursday. The Mariners got you really excited. Big 12-4 win on Thursday, and then they blow in the ninth inning last night. So everything is right in the world of baseball. Uh, big injury for the Blazers and uh, a nice win streak for the Zers as well. We'll start the show 
with your Portland Trailblazers. Next, Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Right now, the Portland Trailblazers are in the three spot. They have a half-game lead on the Houston Rockets to remain there. Eight games left in the regular season. Six-game win streak for your Portland Trailblazers. They've done all of those without C.J. McCollum, who's got a little bit of a knee injury. Obviously, a huge loss this week. Uh, Nurkic goes down with a broken fibia tibia thing. Oh, that whole thing. You know what? It was a whole thing, man. You you came in, what was that, Tuesday that you came in? Uh, Monday night was the game, I think. Do I have that right? Maybe I'm backwards. Let's go with it. You came in distraught. Yeah. Distraught. I was pissed. Giving them no chance at anything in the playoffs, but what does it do to the team? What does this do? What does this do to the Blazers? Why is this? Obviously, it's a big loss, but why have you lost all hope? Why? Yeah, tell me. Because it's our third, possibly second best player who's out for the season. Okay. So, I mean, you know, that's bad. It is bad. Okay, so so obvious, obviously it affects your chances in the playoffs, right? You get into yeah. a series right now if you... Uh, okay, so I do want to preface this by saying that any games going forward in the regular season I don't think should be indicative of what we think of this team going into the playoffs because obviously they're on a six-game winning streak and they're playing really well, but this is, this is a very easy stretch right now. Indiana, Dallas, Detroit, Brooklyn, Chicago, Atlanta is your six-game win streak. Your yeah. next four, Detroit, Minnesota... Memphis, and then you play two against Denver before finishing with the Clippers, uh, the Lakers, and the Kings. And you'd have to think that you know uh, uh, what? Are, what are they back now from uh, first, like three games or something? Uh, the Zers, yeah, yeah, they're sitting right now three games back. Okay, uh, Denver and the Warriors tied at the, with the so same I, record. At this point, you have to feel like since we're three games back from that first or second spot, like we're probably not going to gun for that. And I don't see the Warriors and Nuggets losing a lot of games kind of to close this thing out. And so you have to almost feel like those two games with the Nuggets, they're going to start sitting some people. And CJ will probably be back at that point. I don't know. That's very question marky. But you got to get him in a couple regular season games in just to get him warmed up before the playoffs. You circle the Lakers and the Kings, who are yeah. both on the outside exactly. of the playoffs with no chance you of making it. Got to assume LeBron will not be playing. Yeah. Kings still mathematically alive, but six and a half games out of, the, out of a playoff spot. So I they'll be eliminated in the next two days. It's just difficult because you think back to when – we didn't really have Nurk in his first playoff series. I mean, I know he got on the court for like, what, five yeah, minutes? Yeah, but he had that uh, hairline fracture or whatever it was in his leg. And it was a disaster, and it was a disaster because we had gotten so used to the idea that we had so much size in the paint defensively yeah. that we weren't a liability anymore in that sense. But now it's just like, oh, wow, CJ is going to be coming in kind of limping. Dame is taking on the complete scoring load now for the team in this last stretch, and you don't have Nurk. Yeah, no, I, I, I get all that. And it, it, they're right now, it's a matchup with the Clippers in the playoffs, and even if they win. But you were a little more apocalyptic with your view. You said this ruins the franchise. This is this means blow everything up. Maybe you've come back down to earth a little bit from that Well, 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 well. It doesn't ruin the franchise. It's you need to now ruin the franchise. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Give me give me the reason on you 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 say this is caused to just blow everything up. Yes, because you're not going to win your first round playoff series. You're just not. Okay. I I just I don't see that. 
Um, and once you don't win it, you're now going to have another reason. This reason, Yusuf Nurkic, he, uh, you know, his injury is going to allow it so Neil O'Shea is keep his job because when they lose the first round series, he'll point to that and go, well, I, come on, owners, new owners. I, I didn't have my second best player. What am I supposed to do with that? So this keeps Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts in jobs. That's right. And possibly to the detriment of the team. You now have Damian Lillard basically in his prime, kind of just floating in it. And you're not making the most of it. And I know that Bleacher Report came out with something that they were saying this week that, you know, he reaffirmed his whole thing of saying, like, no, I'm committed to this team. I'm committed to this city. Dude, I've heard that from NBA players before time and time and time again. Anthony Davis did that all the way up until just this season when he started getting frustrated. I would not be pissed off if Damian Lillard left. I really? Wouldn't. No. You I would say you wouldn't feel uh, no. feel brokenhearted. No. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be upset at all, dude. That guy gave his heart to our team, yeah. and he deserves a chance to actually compete for an NBA title. He can't do that here, really. Not with this ownership. Not with this management. That's why I say you got to blow it up. You gotta you gotta cut some heads, and you gotta get some new blood in there to kind of revamp the team. Yeah, but what what's the strategy there? Is it going all right? Let's take next year off and go for draft picks, or do you go? I'm gonna just trade every asset on the roster and try to get equal value back. Like, what do you, what are you trying to do? Just just reshape the team, but through the trade and free agency, or just blow it up and go back to the the foundation? You are you looking for the process? Are you do you want the process important i do not want the process important because process. i am not suggesting that we trade somebody like damian lillard he's the franchise player okay. there have been rumors you let him, before. but he's gonna walk he he's gonna walk unless in this next season you can show that you have a plan for the future right now man this isn't a plan this is this is wade pool this is us just kind of hanging out being like okay this is fine it's that meme with the dog in the room on fire oh this is all fine <laughs> And I think the key to make some significant changes to leverage CJ next year, you leverage him in a trade and you go to the Boston Celtics who are already going to basically trade away a bunch of S to get Anthony Davis. And you put CJ out there and you go, what do you have in terms of draft picks that we can use? What do you think the rest of the NBA thinks of CJ McCollum? I think they think he's an extremely valuable scorer that is liable to put up 50 points any night, any night. Yeah, yeah, I and think he could do that. So, what what caliber of player do you get back for CJ? Uh, I don't think you get player. I think you get draft picks. Yeah, I think that's what you do. And if you really wanted to get a caliber player back, and you're dealing with somebody like Boston, I mean, you could possibly get Terry Rozier, but I see him going to New Orleans yeah. in that you know made up Anthony Davis trade. Where prophesizing right now <laughs> you are I, I, i'm just saying i i think that you have to take a chance at this point we've been saying this for years we're broken records on portland sports radio <laughs> take a chance dude you have yeah. to try to see what's going to happen if you put somebody out there like that yeah I, I, i'm okay with that but at the same time you just wonder if neil o'shea has a higher value in his mind for cj than the rest of the nba that's the thing that makes it difficult about trading you know any high profile player or somebody that your general manager absolutely adores like CJ and Neil O'Shea, you know, there's a little bit of a love affair there because like you said, he can go out and score 50 points at any given time. He can just go, you know, into, into beast mode and just be unstoppable. But at the same time, what is he worth in wins and losses? And, mm. and that's where it gets really difficult. You don't think he's a team guy. Well, 
it, you're, right now you're on a six-game win streak, and I know that it's against lesser opponents, but you're doing it without CJ, and nobody seems to really miss him. It's true. Um, so it it makes it really difficult, and you get him back for the playoffs, and nobody's going, oh, well, you'll have CJ back for the playoffs, so that means we have a chance to win against anybody. He's not that guy. I think Nurk is a bigger loss, and I think when you look at it through that lens, you go, oh, losing your second or third best player, well, you've lost both of them. And I know that it's a much more gruesome injury and it's a longer-term recovery for Nurk, so maybe that's the reason that there's more worry about it. But I think Nurk is a more valuable piece the way that he's played this year. And it sucks that he gets this injury at this time. I was talking to a friend of mine who actually knows Nurk a little bit. And this this is so devastating because he was in the middle of the best game that he'd played as an NBA player. There's a scoring high. He was really feeling like he was starting to... to take his game to the next level. This is obviously the best full season that he's had, and he's going into the playoffs with the team, I think, with as much optimism as they've had maybe since LaMarcus left. I think people were feeling pretty good. Even with the CJ injury, everybody was kind of like, okay, that's enough time. Yeah. He could probably come back and be all right. Yeah, but the other thing it does for Nurk is is he's stuck in Portland for the offseason. Yeah. I mean, he's he's here for rehab. He's he's going to, you know, cancel any trips home that he was planning, anything that he was planning on doing in the offseason. Any Eastern European guy. mob hits. Well, well yeah, but... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well... He's, I can't he's, take care of that thing. Well, unfortunately, I won't be there to take care of that thing for you because I'll be here for rehab. Yes, I am. Uh, my leg is up and uh, my gun is down. But... You know, if they're talking about somewhere in the second half of the NBA season or somebody was predicting because there was no nerve or muscle damage in the injury, injury you could see Nurk coming back around Christmas, you don't think they have a better shot coming back with if they can, you know, get Nurk back by the end of next season? You don't think that the team is better off doing that than just trading off assets I, and trying to inject him into whatever lineup they I roll out because, there? I know because I think that you're, you know... I, I I think you this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of the best it's gonna get. Yeah, but yeah, but, but, but you don't know what the potential was. That was the whole thing is is there was optimism going into the playoffs the way the team is currently constructed. You improved your bench, adding Ennis Cantor and Rodney Hood. You had Jake Lehman step up and show what is I probably what his ceiling is, unfortunately, but you've seen that he has the ability to contribute on some nights. I don't think he's an every night guy where he ends up becoming your microwave or a six man of the year, but he certainly can do some things on both ends of the floor. And I realize that there's going to be moves regardless, but if you keep this together until at least the trade deadline next year, then you're going to have all of those expiring contracts. You're going to have people that are going into tank mode that are willing to take Evan Turner off your books, Mo Harkless off your books, uh, Myers Leonard off your books, and then you'll really be able to do it going into another full season with Damian Lillard. So I think I think the off season is a little preemptive to do it. You see how the recovery goes for Nurk. You see what the team can do out without him in the first half of next season, and then you get to the trade deadline. You go, all right, we're just we're in the middle. We're we're closer to the bottom blow it up, and now you can make a push for this final year of Dame under contract. I think that's your probably best move. Okay, worst visual injury. Was it Nurks, Gordon Hayward's, or Paul George's Team USA exhibition game? Uh, well, it's Kevin Ware. It's the bone through the leg for the Louisville player. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Ware was, yeah. Yeah, that's... Of the, of the pro guys, the three uh, I gave you, do, were, were you more grossed out with Gordon Hayward's, or was Nurks pretty bad to you? 
Uh, actually, Paul George's was because the, the way he just landed on it, like he's just he's gliding. Uh, at, at, yeah, it, it was such a impact injury where he's just kind of flown through the air. Dude, and they called the game off. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly like he right. He got hurt given there was like, I think, three minutes left, but yeah. they were like, okay, now we're done. Well, done. And, and Paul George is just such a gifted athlete, and you just you see guys land like that a million times, but I was gun shy every time somebody flew, flew into the air to make a dunk or a block or whatever, and he just, yeah. You just go, oh, yeah, you can just land wrong. <laughs> Like I never saw the Teddy Bridgewater one, but that was one of the things where they canceled practice on that. Oh, the, yeah. the the non-contact, uh, every ligament in your knee goes away. Alex Smith was bad too, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. So the fortunate thing, though, you have to think about, right, is that Nurk had a clean break, mm -hmm. and so you know you just no put nerve, it in place. no muscle. Yeah. yeah. Put it back in place. Let it heal. Yep. He gets out of shape. You know. <laughs> You bring him back. He gets fat. How fat does he get? His dad. His dad <laughs> is like four to five hundred pounds. Are you say. serious? Oh yeah. Like if you never heard the story of how Nurk was discovered. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But the the six foot ten, four hundred pound policeman breaks up a bar fight with ten people in it. So yeah, his dad is apparently a giant, giant person. So, so the, are you the potential? Me? The potential for Nurk is uh hitting in uh the 400s but no he's he's a professional athlete he'll be fine are you trying to tell me we're going to get another raymond felton situation after the lockout no, that would be uh nurkic getting to raymond felton's uh, physique would be two raymond felton's dude that was one of the most like just alarming things for me when they were having that lockout back in like 11 or something it might have yeah. been 10 uh, and they were showing like these mixtapes online of NBA players playing in like summer leagues and uh, hardcourt leagues. And they showed Raymond Felton and he just looked like he was 300 pounds like dribbling. And I go, oh, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all. Yeah, <laughs> he was fat. And he, yeah, well, he was so yeah. fat. Still playing, right? It was with OKC. Yeah, he's on the thunder. Yeah. He's one uh, of those guys where you're like, oh, huh. Yeah, yeah, I know. Every time we, yeah, they were playing earlier this year. I look at it, I'm like, is that, yep, that's Raymond Field. There yeah. he is. All right. Look at that. Good for you. All right, hey, let's do some, uh, let's do some NFL news and notes before we get to good versus evil. Uh, we'll do that next. But first, uh, we need to bring you the news. That's right, boys, guy. This is the Sinner and the Saint, Luke Anderson, Will Darkens. We need to talk a little NFL today. They made a decision this week that seems. Like, it could cause some trouble. What is it? Pass interference, my friend. Oh, no. It's pass interference. And pass interference will now be reviewable. The part I hate about this the most is that they placated to Sean Payton. Yeah, is that the, is that the worst part of it? Is yeah, it Sean is. Payton one? Yeah, is that Sean Payton got his way and that he does this constantly and that he's just like a completely insufferable a-hole. He is. Yeah, here's here's the thing that gets me on this and I was I, I heard some stats uh you know regarding, you know, how important the the pass interference calls are to a game. Oh, did you? I did. And I just it you know, the the largest average penalty is pass interference. Most game-changing calls are pass interference calls. The You know, you put the ball at the one-yard line, the percentage of times that you score if there's a pass interference in the end zone. I get that they wanted to make a change to make sure you get these huge calls right. Why can't we just make the call less important? 
If it was a 15-yard penalty instead of a spot foul on an automatic first down, that's what's always rubbed me the wrong way about pass interference. You have pass interference, and you make it such an important call, and it's a subjective call. You've added more fuel to the fire for people that already hate the, the way that it's called by making it reviewable. And now we're going to watch it in slow motion and we're going to have all these controversial calls. I expect that it'll be a lot like the catch rule where it's, there's going to be so many in-betweens, but magnify it by 10 because you're going to, you're always going to see contact there. It'd be everybody this week has talked about how you compare it to the holding. You can call holding on every play. Okay. You well, can. I You're right. So, you can do the same thing with pass so interference. So why don't we do that? Exactly. That, that's the thing. But nobody's <laughs> making a push for holding to be on there. Why? Because holding's a 10-yard penalty. Well, and because and it's absolutely impossible well, not to hold in the NFL. Well, People would get beat constantly yeah, if there's no holding. I, I get that. But the difference is, imagine if holding were a 25-yard penalty on some occasions. Oh. Or or if it were an automatic, like, you know, loss of down. Like, what you need to do is... Oh, dude, they'd set way more people up for holding calls because you can set people up for holding calls if you do stunts on tackles because then you beat them and you get close enough to them around the edge that all they can do is just start grabbing jerseys. Well, that's that's the the exact problem with pass interference. So so you for for your holding penalty, it's 10 yards, replay the down, right? Or you can let it go and you can get the loss of down. And in long downs and distances, it makes such a difference. But the thing that's always bugged me about your... Your, your pass interference or your defensive holding calls is the automatic first down. You have a fourth and 28, and you get a PI, and all of a sudden you get an automatic first down. Well, I mean, it's you can get a 70 yard pass interference penalty. The, the, the idea that, you know, every uh, Hail Mary will now be reviewable is absolutely ridiculous. And if you're so worried that you have to put in a review for a subjective call because this penalty is too valuable and too important to teams, make it less valuable. Dude, you don't have to preach to me. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I I go back to the whole Sean Payton thing because he's the one who basically spearheaded this whole thing because of that one call. Because you had a whole group of fans who were so irate at one call, which, that by didn't the way, lose them the game. Yes, did not lose them the game. They had the lead. It was not the last play. No. The people misremember this constantly, thinking that it was the final play of the game and it's what they needed to win. You did not have the, you did not, uh, you did not need that play to win the game. But you, that doesn't matter. We're going to run a parade out in the city during the Super Bowl. <laughs> we need to take this up to Congress is what we need to do. We're going to cook a big pot of gumbo and then just <laughs> pour it all over Congress. Oh, we're get some crawfish up there on the daddies. We're going to get in there. We're going to make them. And then, oh. we, and then we're going to catch all the catfish. <laughs> and we're going to put them in barrels and open them up. And they're going to slide and slip in everywhere. <sighs> but, the, yeah, the... I, <laughs> I, I expect this to be a a bad rule change that they will revisit almost immediately. You're you're going to see play after play, and I realize that that you can only have so many reviews in a game, but God, there's going to be so many that are just going to be terrible. If we want to make change to the pass interference rules because it's too important of a penalty, you should never have a penalty that's too important. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's it, like automatically giving somebody seven points if you get a pass interference in the end zone. Well, make it half, this, half, halfway to the goal, you know. And what, what was the um, what was the rule change? The uh, the the uh, 
the slamming to the ground, right, of the quarterback, mm-hmm. the, that whole thing, you know, I, I, that got kind of reviewed and tweaked a little bit yeah, as the will. season went on. And I, I think you're right, is that, you know, this rule but will be in place. But you also didn't make it reviewable. Yeah, but I, I think that th- that it'll get as out of control this new rule as the one did last year because there were a lot of calls in the early in the beginning of the season like the one on Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews got called for it like five times. Yeah, he did. First and three I, games, I think he did. And I think they will react to it as this goes on because they'll hear enough backlash from fans like, dude, I don't want to sit here for this long to watch a game. You're, well, but I don't think that's necessarily the issue. The difference with the slamming the players and stuff, you can go back and you can review tape, but it wasn't, there wasn't a, it wasn't subject to review in the moment. The players can make the adjustments to figure out what it is. Clay Matthews went back and goes, I didn't think I did it that way, but obviously I didn't make changes and, and players will adjust and officials will adjust. They didn't change the rule. All they did was make it subject to slow motion replay. What this reminds me of more than anything is when basketball had replay for out of bounds and all of the, the different things. What happens every time you have, are trying to decide who hits the ball out of bounds? It's just constantly looking at all the fouls that occurred when two guys are running for the ball at the same time along the boundary of a basketball game. Is It's just people slapping wrists and doing whatever they can to get the advantage. If you have two guys swiping at a ball at the same time, they're going to make contact with each other. Could you imagine if that's what you're going to be looking at? The ball's up in the air and two guys swinging at it, and if somebody's arm hits before the ball gets there... Those are going to be penalties. Let me tell you something about that penalty there. He did not. It didn't go out of bounds there. The Gator done touch it. <laughs> the Gator done good touched it. Yeah, he would go catch the ball. That damn Gator got in there, got in his jaw. You can't get the ball out of Gator. Go there. <laughs> good versus evil is next. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened today? What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the sinner and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants, 808 on 1080 The Fan. <laughs> You know, every time I'm out there, you know, I'm trying to find out ways to get better and, you know, find out ways to get wins for this team. Um, you know, and I think right now is time for me to be more aggressive. That was indentured NBA star who's roasting into charred black pigments like a spider under the hot, hot sun. Devin Booker. <laughs> Most people know Booker as the high-scoring bright spot in an otherwise dim season for the Phoenix Suns. And this week, he scored over 50 points in two separate games. Both games, the Suns lost. He just signed a $135 million deal, keeping him in Phoenix till 2024. He's only 22 years old. True or false, Booker demands a trade if the Suns miss the playoffs next season. Now, now I think that is false. That's, it's... The NBA has a lot of guys that are demanding this or demanding that. I I don't think that trend is going to consume the entire league. You have a guy that will be, what, 24 after next season if he's 22 here. You need to see signs of improvement. They had DeAndre Ayton, but he was injured most of the time. They're going to have a high draft pick. They're going to have a young young nucleus. 
I would expect that it's probably going to be fun to be in Phoenix in the next couple of years. And if they can get close to the playoffs, the West is still going to be really good. They need to get better. If somehow they get worse next year, maybe demands a trade. But uh, if they're close to the playoffs, I think that, uh, that he'll stick around. They had put up good ratings. The football looked good. And they were in a position where instead of having to continue to raise money, they, they could have used the stability that I was able to provide them. And so... Within 24 hours, we had a deal done. That was stay-at-home dad who allows the 30-minute window between the time of leaving his house and picking up the kids from school to drink travel bottles of whiskey in the Target parking lot while listening to Motley Crue. Tom Dudon, if I'm saying his name right. That sounds right. He's also the majority owner of Luke's favorite alternative football league, the AF. This week, Tom told USA Today Sports that the league is in danger of folding without help from the NFL Players Association. Luke, is this really the answer to save the Alliance of American Football? Well, no, the tricky thing with this is they're trying to get an agreement with the NFL so that they can use players that are part of the NFL Players Association. But the tricky part is if they go and collectively bargain this, that means those same players will be eligible to be paid and uh, taken for the XFL. So the tricky thing is that they can't have exclusive rights to those players if they get rights to those players. So yeah, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, sticky legal language in there. And if it crushes both <laughs> leagues, nobody will be worse for the wear. But I, I still think that the AAF is is what they said they were, and they're not really concerned about getting the high-profile uh, Dude, uh, they're going to fold. Of course they are. They're going to fold. <laughs> they're, they're, they've run out of money. No, they haven't run out of money. They, if this guy pulls out, they're out of money, and he's threatened to do so to leverage the NFL, but him doing that might cause more oh. trouble because it'll open the door for the XFL, which is coming in with $500 million from old what's-his-name over in the wrestling world. You are a huge AF fan. Yeah. Nope. You love it. Yeah, I've watched you one You can't game. get enough of it. Yeah, that's right. You were sad when Manziel left. I remember you came into work the next day and we're like, oh, wait, did he leave? It uh, is, uh, for us, a tool that has served us very well, and this year was probably about as good for us from an efficiency standpoint as we've ever had. Shortest amount of review time. Uh, the reviews uh, from an accuracy standpoint were outstanding that was your friend's dad who owns a boat rick mckay at the nfl annual meeting in phoenix this week owners voted on several proposed rule changes one in particular expanding replay to subjective uh calls like pass interference we already talked about this in the last segment but just to kind of sum it up do you think in the end this will be good for the nfl again in the end they're going to take two steps back before they take a step forward. I think this will be something that is going to be ultimately bad because they're going to open up Pandora's box. They they want it to stop plays that were super obvious, like the one that uh, was uh, in the Saints game against the Rams. But honestly, I think it's going to get into the, the plays that are too tough to call, and you're going to have a lot of upset people because they're just going to get more angles of plays that they don't want to see. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. And I think it's going to really kind of demean the fan experience. Yeah. And I know that we say that every single year when review our new review rules come out. Again, you know, we said that with the whole slamming uh, the quarterback on the ground or otherwise known as the Aaron Rodgers rule. But, you know, it, it I, I think that you just give it a little bit of time. It's going to be patience. the catch rule, though, where you ne like the catch rule was. I don't even know if it's even settled now, but what they're going to do is they're going to go back and simplify 
hopefully simplify the pass interference rule, um, I think would be the best resolution. Well, and I think this rule too, it's like, I think it really kind of affects the entire NFL rather than just a few teams like with the catch rule. Yeah. Like really the only people pissed about the catch rule to me are Lions fans and Cowboys fans. That's it. Yeah, but what, what happens is same thing that happened with the catch rule is they went to stop these two or three plays that happened and they ended up making it difficult for every play that happened. Yeah. And that's where it got to where three years later, we're like, nobody knows what a catch is. Nobody's going to know what pass interference is because you can't call every time a guy gets touched. So then it's going to be, you know, you're going to have a lot of officials standing in the middle of the field with a very poor explanation of what actually happened and why they decided to do what they did. A lot of dudes getting touched. That's right. All right, time for my favorite story of the week. And this one, thank goodness, comes from Florida. Yay! Okay, tell me if you've heard a weirder headline than this. This is pretty weird. Okay. Florida man in face-eating attack believed he was half man, half dog, says doctor. It starts with Florida man, so anything that, uh, that comes after that doesn't really surprise me. So... I think I'm okay with that. A forensic psychologist says a former college student believed he was, quote, half dog, half man when he fatally attacked a man and woman at their home and was found biting one of their faces. So wait, did he bite their faces to kill them or did he kill them then start biting their faces? Uh, ooh. Said fatal hmm. attack, right? So somebody's dead. Investigators say they found Austin Harrow. Now 22, biting John Stevenson's face while making growl noises. <laughs> Is this bath salts? Is that what's going on there? That does kind of sound like the bath salt, doesn't it? Yeah. That's like a, a good mix of bath salt and PCP. Yeah. Or I guess well, a bad one yeah, in this case. Say, yeah. I was going to say good mix. is not. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, a little miscalculation on the mix. She got our, uh, yeah, the, the casino line. They got a hot dose. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds Not right. good. Uh, let's see. The report says uh, the fact that Haroff persisted in biting Stephen's face, quote, in the presence of police officers, in spite of threats of being shot, being tased, and receiving multiple kicks in the head, suggests that he was uh, actively psychotic. So this guy... Basically became a dog. And then as a dog, he basically did dog things and it wouldn't stop him. Not gunshots, not tasers, not swift kicks to the head. If you kicked a dog in the head, it would probably stop biting someone's face. Depends on the dog. I guess that's probably true, but you would think you would start biting the man that kicked you. Yeah. Yeah, right? I, I think this is why I couldn't become a police officer because if I broke in on this, dude, no, I'm, I'm out the door. <laughs> See you guys. Hey, guys, I'm just going to leave my yeah. stuff in the squad car. I'm going to walk home. Uh, don't nope. worry. I'll catch a bus. Son. I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't need any part of yeah. what goes on Literally, here. Literally, if I came into a house and a dude was uh, naked on all fours eating a person's face. Oh, he I'd was go, in the nude? I don't think I got that detail Well, before. I'm assuming. Oh, <laughs> Come on, man. He's on bath salts. He's hot. Well, dogs don't wear clothes. Some do. Eh, Sweaters. True. Yeah, they're not wearing pants, though. They dress a lot more like Donald Duck than Mickey Mouse. That's true, which also brings up the greatest business idea ever, dog pants. Is that the greatest idea? Yes, of course it is. They got to have a trap door in them because otherwise you're cleaning out your dog's pants every once in a while. Chinos. Chinos for dogs. Chinos for dogs sounds um, terrible. Sounds like a terrible idea. Some sweet chinos from Banana. You, B Bark Banana Republic. You <laughs> Bark Nana Republic. Bark. <laughs> <laughs> You really want to go to the dog park and you have to lower down the trousers on your schnauzers so that he can poo? Why not? They That's deserve some respect. 
No, that's what I'm saying. I think it's disrespectful when you have to go in public. You take them outside to go number two. Yeah. And then you have to remove, you know, their uh, their high-waisted... Uh, skinny uh, jeans. Skinny jeans. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, because then I can make my dog look like a hipster. Like, throw some dog vans on it. Yeah, but you'd also make them look like a slacker. Get dog jinkos or whatever they were. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, listen, there's all kinds of different pants for all kinds of different dogs. They're not all hipsters. Cargo shorts. Not just for hipsters dogs. wear pants. I kind of thought they did. All right. That's your good versus evil. It's brought to you by our friends at 808, the Titan of Hawaiian restaurants. They're at 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodstock. We've got some baseball talk in hour two. We'll get more back into the tournament a little bit more. Can Gonzaga finally win the big one? Oh, no. You'll find out next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.